So, we are live. Okay. From New York. It's Saturday night! <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Remember when that was actually a funny show? Mm-hmm. Me too. Actually, I don't know. They could be funny. Yeah. I haven't watched it for a, I, a decade. I see clips on social media yeah. and for the most part now. No. It's, and you know, those are the highlights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the last thing you want to hear after you re- release a new version of your app is, oops. Oh yeah, that's not <clears throat> good. <laughs> Updating your app with new changes, it can be stressful. And we've both been a part of startups where it's a stressful situation. They never go smoothly. So it just causes disruptions and can well, and that cause stress can be made havoc. a lot worse with things like the App Store because, for example, with Google Play, you can't roll back to a previous version of the app and say, "Oops, I didn't mean it." Let's roll everybody back. There's a bug. Yeah. No, you have to it's, push a new update to get accepted. and it can take. It usually doesn't, but it can take up to seven days yeah. for your update to get reviewed. So you put out a release that's got a problem. And now you're stuck with it for up to a week. Boom. And the Apple they review process, they don't care. And they are notorious for taking forever. Especially when you don't want them to. Yeah. I've had apps go through so fast, but then when you do the resubmit, mm-hmm. all of a sudden it takes a long time. It can t- I've, I've spent a week and a half waiting on the App Store once. Yeah. It's, ugh. So... It can be a really stressful experience. Nobody likes it. Yeah. So setting the stage for like smooth product updates is so important. Software is always changing. You're always adding new features, requirements for things. App Store compliance can change. Um, security patches, like you name it. There's constant updates. Yeah. You have to push. I mean, Android, Google requires that you update your app at least once a year, mm-hmm. I think is what it is to a new version of the SDK just for security purposes. And if you don't update your app, if you just leave it sitting there, they take it off the store. Yeah, which is funny. A lot of people think like they have this great app idea, right? And you just build it once and you're done. Software is a living thing. You're constantly having to do updates. So if you don't have a good update plan or process, it's always going to be hectic. Yep. And I mean... Bug fixes are a pretty constant source of change. I've never seen software that doesn't get updated because of bugs. Mm-hmm. They happen. Everyone has bugs. Everybody has bugs. We just talked about bugs. Yep. <laughs> so with all of those, it's important that app updates go well and that they're well tested before you release them so that you don't have these problems of, oopsie, we've got a bad update. We're screwed. Your update process, one, we talk about planning a lot. Planning is important. You need to identify what you need in the update through feedback and just setting priorities for your product. Mm-hmm. And that's where one of the that's one of the ways that Agile shines is if you have a pretty constant, consistent release schedule. You can say, "Hey, this is when we're going to have a release. What are we doing for that?" And you can pivot based on needs right now for that. But so you want to have a plan. During development, what uh, one mistake that a lot of people make, surprisingly, is they don't develop in a separate environment. They just, they do everything on prod. And especially beginner developers, 
they will just sit on the production server and have, here's my test account and I do everything on this test account and it can be disastrous. Yeah, because they're essentially probably going from local host to production mm -hmm. and there's no steps in between. Yeah, you want to have a separate development environment to be fixing bugs, to be looking into things and where if everything goes to hell, you can, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Now, well, I'm going to one up you. You should have three environments, right? You should have not only your development environment, and then you need a staging environment for testing. Yeah. So before you take anything live to production, you should have testing. And what testing is only used for testing the new features of your app. You don't do any live development on this environment. You have your code that is about to go live and you have it on a staging environment that should replicate your production environment. Yeah, I like to have a script run that copies my live environment into the testing environment and updates staging anytime I go to use it. That's just part of the pipeline. Mm -hmm. Because then you have real data from real users that is current to today. And you can often spot a lot of problems that are occurring by having that. Yep, exactly. And you're going to make sure that your updates aren't going to screw up something that's different in your live environment. You basically just want a copy of your live environment so that if something goes screwy, it blows up there. It's your practice run. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, staging should be a replica of production. Exactly. So you develop, you test on staging, and then after you've tested on staging thoroughly, then you can go ahead and do the deployment and get it up live into your environment wherever you need your app to be, whether it's backend updates, front end updates, we got to update it in the app store, whatever that portion it involves. One thing that I do like to do is have a checklist. I have this checklist that I have to go through every time I go to push an update to anything. Mm -hmm. And I step through it and it involves, hey, is everybody is every bug documented? Is every bug accepted as, hey, this is actually fixed by someone other than me if possible, so that I have validation of it's actually fixed? Hey, is all of my are all of my ducks in a row? Is everything in order before I try to push this? Mm -hmm. And having that checklist is just a good reminder and a good way to validate, hey, we've got everything set up. So you don't push an update and then go, Oh crap, I forgot. And an important thing to follow with the de deployment is to have a public chain change log. Mm -hmm. So people actually know what's in your update and they actually know an update came out. Oh yeah. And that's, I think we talk about this a little bit later, but Git can be really helpful for that. If you have good commit messages and good branch names and all of, if you're following good practices, you can take your Git history or whatever version control you're using. And, and break say, it down hey, into your change this log. is all the crap that went into this. Exactly. So here's a change log. Boom, we're done. Yeah, exactly. And so part of your checklist and stuff too, uh, the way to simplify your deployment process is with like continuous integration mm -hmm. and concepts like that. Because it, it doesn't allow you to forget things. Yes, like absolutely. Like bumping a version number. Um, I don't know, you name it, like running your tests, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. So after you've deployed, another important thing is to just have constant monitoring and get feedback. You want to keep an eye on it and see how your update performs, see if there are any critical issues that are introduced, 
because again, bugs happen. And sometimes you release something and despite your best efforts, hey, there's a new problem, there's a fresh issue. And so you want to get that from your logging systems and you want to check in with users, especially if there are users that are having issues. Like, hey, this user over here in specific emailed us about this. Yeah. You want to follow up and be like, hey, is this fixed for you? Exactly. And unless you enjoy like sleepless, stressful weekends, you don't want to do. I do. You don't want to do deployments on Friday afternoon. Don't deploy Fridays. Yeah. Because you want to give yourself time to correct bad deployments. So if something does go wrong, you don't want to be working through the weekend. Like our typical release cycle involves deploying on Wednesday. Yeah. And that way. At the latest. Yeah. (laughs) If if there is something that goes wrong, I've got two days in a normal work week to figure it out. Yeah. We usually try to like our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is staging and like. Testing, testing, and all, and all of that. And as long as we get through all of our testing scripts that we like to go through, yeah, then we take things live like Wednesday. We try to do things in the morning because you don't want to be staying up. You don't want late nights kind of suck. They ruin your week. Yeah. So we should probably talk a little bit more about version control in updates and why it's important. I mean, I brought up the whole commit thing, but we should we should probably dive into that a little more. Yeah. So. The most common version control you're ever going to hear about is Git. Yeah. And what that allows you to do is basically you copy whatever code is working, right? And Mm -hmm. you take a copy of it and you create your own version of it. And so that's where you're adding your feature updates or your bug updates, whatever that may be. And then you can, you save that. And then you compare the two, right? Mm -hmm. So you have your code being reviewed by somebody. They can see the changes, blah, blah, blah. It gets reviewed. Nothing looks like it's breaking. And then you merge it. Yeah. That that version control is there to give you a history and allow you to get your own separate instance where you can play around with things, fix things, do whatever you need And if you break anything, you can dump your work and pull in the unbroken code again. Or you can even go back in history. So let's say you Marty, we have to go back. Let's say you merge something, right? And it's broken. Yeah. You can go back in time and grab old code that works. So it's super important to use version control. I am honestly surprised that I don't know of any Git related libraries called DeLorean. (laughs) We got to go back. That'd be hilarious. So it's super important just to be able to see your revision history. With Yeah. Well, and like I said, having that version control there gives you a good way to track, hey, this is what's changed since the last update. Exactly. Yep. Because, you know, you can go back, you can do things like add tags and get to say, hey, this particular moment in the repository's history that is version 2.3.569. Yeah, you can kind of mark your big releases. Right? Yeah, and or that way if stable hey, there releases. was something that broke between these two versions of the app, you can go check and see exactly what's changed between those. Exactly, yep. So that's a really good thing to, that's a helpful tool with version control for managing updates and helping fix debugs things and go back to a previous version if you need. Mm-hmm. 
Another thing, like I mentioned, is that good commit messages are important. So important. And I used to be so bad at these. Mm -hmm. I used to just be like, well, no one's going to see them. But then when you start working on a team, it's so important to have clear, concise messages. Even without a team, you're doing yourself a favor. Yeah, because your Git history means nothing if your commit messages don't make sense. If your Git history is 36 lines Like, did it bug fixes yeah like okay great what bug fixes yeah yeah. so being detailed is good and i actually found like a way that i do it is i kind of have like a template Mm -hmm. and i make sure i kind of i try to follow that now because it's like okay so what did i fix yeah you know or what did i work on and I kind of just like force myself to work through a, a consistent process. Yeah. Otherwise, I am that lazy guy that goes, <laughs> fixed it. <laughs> fixed what? And like if you're working off a specific um, like ticket, mm-hmm. you usually have like reference numbers or something to that. Yeah. It's I'll usually to... throw that like in the branch name. Yeah. And it... say like, I'll name the ticket because you can, you can use a slash to make folders for branches. Yeah. And... So I'll go with like tickets slash and then the ticket number at the beginning and then a brief description of what it is. Yeah. Because when you're looking at branches and all that stuff, okay, great. This is ticket 349. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? But it is nice to have that because then you can go dig that ticket up specifically if you really got to dig in. Yeah, because then you got the reference in the branch name saying, if I need more details, go take a look at this. Go take a look. Exactly. (laughs) Or... But you've also got the brief description of everyone's profile picture is on fire. Like, yeah, yeah, know? yep. And so the just there are it's all benefits using Git or version control. Do yourself right? a favor. Don't be lazy. Yeah, and it's good for accountability too, especially when you're on a team because you know who made the changes and when. Mm-hmm. You know when it happened, so it's not 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 necessarily to like throw people under the bus, but at least you know when the code is broken or changed. Yeah, and you've got get blame in case you uh, do want to put anybody. Yeah, get blame in the stock. I think that's really mean. They should call it um, <laughs> get. It's not no, the best. Kidding. I I mean it's apt, but maybe there's a better term. No, I think it's because... perfect. I think you should be mean. No. <laughs> The first time I ran into it, it was an issue that I caused and somebody get blamed me. And I'm like, what? Don't blame. I mean, I did it, but don't blame yeah. me. Like, ah, don't blame me. But, you you accepted the pull request. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, accountability is a big thing with version control. It also helps with collaboration for obvious reasons because yeah. you can have multiple people working on the same files at different times and then manage it from there with whatever changes are made. Yeah. So it's a lot smoother, more efficient. I've I've been on teams in the past where their version control was, here's a flash drive. And the flash drive got passed around the office and it was oh, abhorrent. Oh my gosh. I hated it. Or like, we just copy this Excel file. Yeah. New versions. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Updated one number 357. Like, yeah. You know, and so like just the the fact of being able to restore old data mm-hmm. and just uh having the backup is important because if you push everything to github you don't have to keep a backup handy on anything else you have github's backup 
And it also allows for a lot of experimentation because of the backups and because that's the restoration is so easily available mm -hmm. because you can make a branch and say, hey, I want to test out this thing and see how it goes. And when it goes horribly, you can just say, okay, well, screw that and scrap it and go back. Mm -hmm. And that can really help in preparing for app updates because as you're making a list of this is what I need to change, you know, you can go and do these experimental branches and with things like feature requests. Hey, we want this new feature. You can make a branch, play around with it and see if it's an option and then trash it if it's not. Mm -hmm. And you can also, after an update, if something's wrong, you make a branch based off of that master branch that's used for release or main or whatever you want to call it. And you say, we're going to test this out and we're going to fiddle with it and see if pulling in previous changes, if undoing certain things fixes it or not. And so like we, we, we've already mentioned Git. That is a very popular system, mm -hmm. but there are also more. Like for example, there's Mercurial, there's also SVN, and it really just depends on what you're doing. Git is popular for code mm -hmm. because it's text-based and it's all text-based and code files are text. But once you start mixing in things like assets, digital goods, it's, it's hard for Git to process the binary files, which is where Mercurial and SVN and all of these other systems, Perforce, for example, come in and are better at that thing. And they also have different ways of handling. And those come in handy with like game development yeah. and things where you have large assets. And it's and it's not just the assets, they handle things differently. There's different ways that you check out code, check in code. Mm -hmm. They all have their nuances, but that's not really the focus of today. So we're not gonna go deep into them. The important thing is just that you should have some kind of version control Yes. And you should be using it and updating it with every release and having some way to track what changed so you can find out what went wrong, if anything does. Yes. And then you have great platforms that work hand in hand with these. Mm -hmm. So you have like GitHub, GitLab, um, Bitbucket, and all of these just work hand in hand with like Git. Yeah. So, and what it essentially is, is it just allows you to save your code offsite and like. Yep cloud storage essentially yep it's great for when my computer catches fire right That's... well it allows you to jump from workstation to workstation too yeah right? and i do that a lot yeah so so and like yeah then you don't have to transfer files around all that you literally just have to pull your working branch <clears throat> off yep. of these platforms and you're on your and way. if you're using it frequently enough it's not like oh but six days of work is on that other computer yeah you know right but back to more of the update-based stuff. We want to talk about some of the best practices. We've, we've kind of already touched on these, but just to reiterate, you should always, no matter what you're doing, you should always be testing updates in a staging environment before you take it live. You want to be absolutely sure that what you are going to throw out there into the world and into the app store or into your backend or whatever is working and it's not going to cause problems. Because if you let your development environment and your live environment get too out of sync, bugs can exist in one of them that don't exist in another. Yeah. And even if it's just a matter of bad data, that's why the live environment is so important. Pulling from that is if there's something in there. Yeah, you can have a bad like data migration file. Yeah. And it can be causing crashes that yeah. don't exist in your development environment, but do 
in your live environment. And it's so common. Your development environment acts differently than your staging and production. Yep. Because you're building them differently. So you always want to test with that. You, This is something that a lot of people ignore, but you should be communicating with your user base about update, upcoming changes and, hey, this is the list of stuff that we're going to fix. And that can help you prioritize your updates. You can get feedback in that feedback, feedback loop. And they know as humbling of an experience as it is, if you fix something and release an update and it's not fixed, they can communicate to you, and hey, fixed. this isn't fixed. Yeah. Instead of just radio silence. Well, also like just having a schedule for updates. Like if your user base knows that they expect like an update every two weeks. Mm-hmm. It, it's just good for everyone to know. Yeah. Because then they know something's going to change or, the you know, whatever they're annoyed with, they're hoping gets well, fixed. Well, and it helps with the arguments of this app is dead or whatever. Yeah, you'll never hear that it's dead. And, like, if it's a really big update where you might have to, like, have a disrupt disruption, mm-hmm. you, you want to kind of aim to do them off peak hours. So whatever peak hours are for your app, you don't want to push your update then. Yeah. If everyone uses your app from 7 a.m., <laughs> to 11 a.m., that's not ideal time, obviously. Yeah. So you want to find the drop in usage and do your updates then. And I'm not saying you have to necessarily do it at 3 a.m., mm-hmm. but you might want to do it. At- that's that's why the idea and that stigma is there of doing it at 3 a.m. is because that's when there are the least amount of users for a lot of things. Right. So you just find that point where this is going to affect the least amount of people possible yep. and do it then. Exactly. So yeah, schedule updates. You also want to monitor the app closely after updates to make sure that things are actually happening the way they should and that you're not introducing any fresh issues that are now causing major problems that you think, oh, everything's great. And then you release it into the wild and your app is on fire, but you released Friday afternoon and you left. Yeah, and that's stressful, which is why like so many developers don't leave home without their computer. Yep. Even if they're just going to get it's a, my wife makes fun of me. <laughs> like we go to go get an energy drink or something just to get out of the house and my laptop ends up in the van. She's like, Why did you bring that? We're gonna be gone for ten minutes. You and never I know. Down, I look down and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's just it's important to not push updates directly to production. You need a stepping stage, which is called the staging Mm -hmm. environment. And you want to have an active plan and think ahead so that everything's in order so that your releases can go well. If there's any theme you get from this show, plan everything. You can't over plan. Yeah. Everything needs to be planned. Everything goes so much smoother when you have a plan. (laughs) Yep, for sure. And it's whether it's releases, writing the code, whatever, but especially with releases, those are one of those points where you don't want to mess around with it and you mm-hmm. don't want surprises. Exactly. Yep. Couldn't have said it better myself.